Welcome to the Aligned Influence Podcast, where we interview entrepreneurs and innovators about what it means to live on purpose. My name is Kyle Bowe. I'm an entrepreneur passionate about helping people live more meaningful, fulfilling, and purpose-driven lives. Thank you so much for coming on today. I mean, I really appreciate it. I am so grateful to be here today. Yeah, no, I'm, I've been looking forward to this. I'm glad that we could uh, find some time to connect and you know have a conversation. Me too. So, for sure. So could you just tell us a little bit more about what it is that you do and, and how you got into the work that you do now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I support women to come back into alignment with their truth and to live their healthiest and happiest life. And what that looks like is a combination of really upgrading their mindset to what I call a miracle mindset, which is choosing love over fear, coming through the lens of love and openness and kindness and compassion. And additionally is to take care of their body through nutrition and lifestyle habits that are going to support them in having the energy and the aliveness that is required in order to fulfill their soul mission or to do the things that they love in their lives. So it's kind of a combination of mind-body work that I do. And I have a background as a clinical and holistic nutritionist along with an eating psychology coach background and then my own personal spiritual journey. It's kind of all meshed together. And um, yeah, I think a lot of us who are here serving as, as healers, as coaches, as teachers are here because of our own personal journey. So um, that's kind of what, what brought me here today. And I'm happy to share a little bit more about that too. Yeah, please. I, I, I'd love to hear a little bit about, you know, your personal journey and your, your personal connection to the work. Yeah. So You know, my work really started more in the physical realm of healing my body, and that started with a lot of digestive issues, hormone imbalances, and really feeling fatigued a lot of the time. And that was about a 10-year journey, really going down the route of alternative medicine, first going to Western medicine and trying to figure out why I was having stomach aches and bloating and being really uncomfortable and not really getting any answers and getting a lot of, here, take this medication. We don't really know what's wrong with you. There's nothing actually wrong with you. So, you know, there's not much we can do. And I knew that there was something wrong because intuitively I knew and my body was presenting with symptoms, but I was really seeking something deeper. And I started to go to a nutritionist and really start to, started to feel empowered around my health. So I remember being in a doctor's office and be given you know, a prescription and feeling really like I didn't have power over what I could do and that was my only option. And sitting in the office with a nutritionist who really listened to my symptoms, really gave me solutions and options of how I could start to take care of my health, allowed me to feel empowered around that I could actually change how I was feeling. So um, I became really passionate about nutrition because of how it changed my life and realized that what's healthy for one person is not healthy for another person. And even though I was eating relatively healthy, there were certain foods that were not agreeing with me and there were certain foods that I needed based on the type of exercise that I was doing. And lo and behold, that became my healing journey on the physical space. So um, I'm sure some people can, can relate to that of, 
of, you know, feeling like there's actually something I can do around my health and wellness. Um, but really what that led to was a, a greater part of my healing. I would say that supported me in healing about 85% of my digestive issues. But 10 years later, I still found myself struggling with some of the same symptoms. And it wasn't until I really started to put together the mind-body connection of the daily stressors and um, really feeling out of alignment with my truth and with the type of lifestyle that I wanted to live where I realized that my stress and my mindset was really what was holding me back from fully healing and healing my body and also being happy in my life. So that was really a journey from depression to creating a life that I love now. And that's really the spiritual aspect of that journey now that I've created in my life. For sure. I love that. Well, and I love that you say that, you know, what is healthy is different for everyone because that's something that's been true in my life as well is that I thought that I was, you know, having this very healthy diet because I was just ascribing to, you know, these larger notions of what is healthy, right? And there's sort of this idea that healthy is the same for everyone, but it's, you know, it's important that we all, you know, empower ourselves and become our own advocates and find what is healthy for us and, you know, really experiment and develop a plan that is unique to us. Mm. Yeah. Then, totally. Um, I think that, um, you know, the food is one big component and then, you know, the mindset part is even we could be eating the healthiest foods, but if we have negative thoughts going towards ourselves, if we're constantly in judgment or criticism or in this stress mode about what's going on in our life, then the way that we digest and absorb those nutrients and use that food information is going to be affected by the thoughts and the patterns that are happening in our mind as well. Right, for sure. And so one of the things that you said is that that you kind of brought it back into alignment in terms of living your truth, right? And that, that's one of those terms that I love. And I, I think it's, it's thrown around a lot. You know, a lot of people say, you know, I'm, I'm living my truth or I'm speaking my truth. Mm. Um, and I think when we have those bigger terms, it's like important to clarify what they mean for us because it's like people bring their own sort of ideas to it. So I'm curious when you say living your truth, like, and that you help others live theirs, like, what does that, what does that look like? And, and what does that mean practically? Sure. I love that. So I'll share a little bit about my, my own journey and what that looked like when I was living out of my truth. And then I'll, that will help to really clarify what it looks like and what it feels like to be living in my truth. And it is different for everyone, but the feeling is the same. So um, I really went down the, I would say the typical life that the mold that we are shown as a culture and in our families where, you know, we go to school and we get a job and then we, um, you know, meet someone and get married and buy a house and then all of the, you know, that path, the typical path, which there's nothing wrong with that if that feels really good for someone. And for me, what happened is I ended up getting married and I didn't really have clarity on who I was before getting into that relationship. And while on paper, everything looked good, I was running my own nutrition business. I have a really supportive family. I had a really good friendship with my partner at the time. There was something that felt like I was constantly missing something or like I still wasn't fulfilled or happy. And it was 
a time where I started to really look inside and spend time with myself to see like, what does make me happy? And realize that all these external factors that we're taught make us happy might not be what makes us happy internally. So the symptoms of being out of alignment for me were anxiety and depression and physical symptoms of not feeling well, of having digestive issues, of feeling tired all the time. And I actually went to an amazing seminar and was doing a lot of reading around personal development, but I went to a seminar by someone that we both know, Jake Ducey. Oh, and that was a big turning point on, on my journey of really getting clear on um, that I am the creator of my reality and that I can really upgrade my thoughts and create the life that I love. And from that space, I started to create a vision for myself of what do I really want. And I started to spend time with myself every day in meditation. And, you know, it wasn't hours of meditation per day. It started with five minutes a day and getting consistent with that. And I started to realize that the life that I was living wasn't my fully expressed life. So there were parts of me that were being expressed and that I was able to share in my relationship, but there were also parts of me that were being suppressed that I didn't feel like I could be fully expressed within myself. And, um, you know, a lot of things that we were doing were, were similar interests, but it wasn't exciting for me. And that's really what I feel like alignment is, is living a life that lights you up. And that doesn't mean you're going to be happy all the time because that's a misconception, but it's like really curating your life to a place where you generally really like most of the things that you do every day, right? And where you feel energized and excited about what you're doing. Yeah, I love that. Well, and I feel like when you're, you know, in alignment or you're living your truth, right? It's it's not like, like you said, everything is not like, you know, rainbows and butterflies. Like there are still challenges. There are still difficulties. You know, you still have to send emails and do laundry, right? You still have to do the challenging things, but it's almost like it's not another thing on top of something else, right? And in a lot of ways, those things kind of, you can almost bring a certain level of excitement to things like that because you're like, this is a part of like the larger like narrative that is my, like, that is my personal story and my personal journey that I'm really excited about now. Right. That I don't have to live that I like get to live. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Such great perspective. Yeah. So it, it seems like there were two things that kind of stood out to me about, you know, your personal story and, and you know, what it is to sort of live your truth. It seems like one the first thing is that it's a lot of times it's not an active choice for people. And this was true in my experience as well was where it was like, I did the same thing. Like I went to college, you know, I I dropped out after a semester. I got a, I got a zero GPA, just like, just like nothing. No, no grades. No, I know it was like, it's like historically bad. Like I think I did a lot of hard work to not do any work. Um, but because like I, I just went because I was supposed to and I didn't know why I was going to be there, right? And like it's not to say that like my parents did anything wrong, like not to say my school counselors did anything wrong. Like they were they were trying to help and it was just I didn't want to go, but I didn't know what I wanted to do otherwise. So I was like, Meh, all right, I'll go. And I ended up going back to school and actually really loving it. So I kind of went back to the, you know, this, the typical path, but I actively chose that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think the second thing that you said was – you know, that we, that we look for like external triggers of what happiness is. And it's like, that wears off after a while, right? It's like not until you recognize that happiness has to come from inside that, uh, you know, that you, that you find that like sort of well of happiness, right? That it's not something that you can consume, but something that you can create. I don't know if yeah. that, that would be true for you as well. 
Yeah, I want to elaborate on that happiness from within because when I used to hear that, like happiness is a choice or create happiness within, when I wasn't in that space, it was really annoying and challenging to understand what that even means. So um, what that looks like for me is the types of thoughts that I'm having, are they supportive in my life? Are they supportive for myself? Are they kind thoughts to myself? Are they kind thoughts about other people? Or am I constantly in what we call victim mode or in a space of why is this happening to me? I don't have control over this. You know, it's the weather, it's the traffic, it's my mom, it's whatever, like you could create it. And when we say happiness comes from within, it's about becoming the observer of your thoughts and not being your thoughts. So what I mean by that is that when we are so attached to our thoughts because we haven't practiced separating ourselves from our thoughts, we constantly are emitting this energy, this negative energy, a toxic energy of feeling down or negative all the time. So when we say happiness comes from within, it's about becoming the observer of the thoughts. And the best way that I know how to do that is meditation and journaling. Um, and really recognizing what are the thought patterns and processes happening on a daily basis. And then from there, creating a different relationship with our thoughts. So it could be a starting with a gratitude practice of really waking up in the morning and being like, I'm so grateful for this cozy bed that I'm in, or I'm grateful for my eyesight or really the little things, right? And it's that cultivation and that practice of your relationship with your thoughts that then starts to create a different inner reality. And when our inner reality changes, then the outer external reality reality has to match that. It's the basic law of attraction that when our energetic state, our frequency changes, that everything else will start to align externally. So we try and change our external by getting the right job or being in the right relationship or um, I don't know, like we were just trying to constantly control our external circumstances. But if we start from within, all of those things will fall into place in a way that feels really easy and in flow and where we don't have to try so hard. Totally. Well, and I think it's, I think it's important to recognize just the power of your own mindset, right? A lot of people think that don't really like have a difficult time at least buying into the idea that you create your reality. But like, that's why I love the idea of traffic, right? Because like, Traffic is like an objective thing, right? Like it happens. We're going to experience it. You and I both live in San Diego, but like if you go to LA, odds are you're going to hit traffic, right? Like that's, that's like an objective truth of, of Los Angeles, but your subjective experience of that objective reality is entirely your choice. Now, so like you can get frustrated, you can get angry and like, sometimes I do, right? Like, I'm not going to say that I'm in love with traffic. Like I, I have, a, it's, I struggle, <laughs> right? But I I try to bring a positive attitude to it. And I say, you know, if you find yourself in traffic, well, you can sit there. You're going to be stuck in traffic for a set amount of time, right? It's it's an hour one way or the other. But you can choose to be, you know, angry and frustrated and, you know, complaining about how you're in traffic. Or you can say, oh, look at that. Like I have an hour to listen to a podcast or I can listen to a new album or I can, you know, call my mom on speakerphone, right? Like you can choose to use that same time in ways that are, you know, in that alignment, in ways that make you happy or in ways that bring you down, right? Like that choice is, is entirely up to you, right? Yeah. I just recently went on a trip and I have a really great example of something that was kind of like out of my control and there were very different ways that people responded to it. And I think everyone can relate to traveling. So um, I 
first on my way there, my bag got lost. So I was going to uh, Kentucky and I was going to speak at a real estate company and I had this, you know, packed my bag and I was going to present and I show up at like 9.30 at night and my connecting flight was really short and my bag didn't make it. And my choice could have been to be on customer service line and be really pissed off and annoyed and being upset and angry. And instead, my choice was to be like, okay, my bag's lost and it happens. It's not ideal, but how do I want to approach this? And in the past, my approach would have been very different. It would have been anxiety, like what the heck am I going to do? It would have completely thrown me off. I probably wouldn't have slept that night. And I would have physiologically closed off to having shortness of breath and having an anxiety attack, right? Mm -hmm. So my choice was to get on the phone and try and, you know, really figure out where my bag was. And then I asked very kindly, I said, um, hey, I'm here for business and I was supposed to be presenting tomorrow and I'm going to need to buy some new clothes. Is there possibility for reimbursement if my bag doesn't come? And they were like, yeah, sure. How much does it cost? And I was like, get put throughout a number and I was honest and I was like you know I think 150 bucks maybe 200 and they're like okay um we're gonna send you a check for 250 dollars and that was and then my bag came it didn't come the next day but it came the following day so I did need to buy a new set of clothes but it was mostly about the response to that and then my right. plane coming back was delayed and everyone was freaking out over it like there was weather delay there's not much you can do about it right, right? So these are small examples of, of life experiences where we can choose to respond differently and that will completely shift our experience of the same process or the same, same experience, right? Totally. Yeah. Well, and that's, it's, I, I love travel as an example of that. Um, Ram Das says, if you think you're enlightened, go spend a week with your family. And I, I think, I think travel is kind of the same thing, right? Like it's easy to be in, enlightened or, you know, have positive thoughts when you're like on a mountain somewhere. Right. But like go into an airport and like now tell me whether or not you're calm and you're cool right, and you're collected. Right. And I had a similar experience in Peru. My flight got canceled and I, I mean, I, I was stuck in Peru. Uh, because they let me into the airport and my flight got canceled. So I couldn't get out of the airport to get in touch with, you know, someone from a representative of the airline and they wouldn't let me out. Cause they're like, no, you're like, you're gone from Peru. Like you can't come back in. And I was like, but like my flight got canceled and they were like, yeah, but like you can't come back in. And I was like, I don't have a cell phone. Like I like, I don't have cell phone service. Like I don't know who to talk to. And they were like, all right, well like you got to fix. So I ended up stuck in the airport for like four hours. It was like one of those Tom Hanks, that Tom Hanks movie where he gets stuck in the terminal. Um, and eventually I, you know, I got out and then they put me up in like a really nice hotel and then I got a flight out the next day. And right before the flight, I ended, you know, I get my, I hear my name over the, the thing and they gave me a first class flight. Wow. I was like, cool. Like <laughs> it's super awesome. Right. And I've had experiences like that in other areas where like things go wrong. And if you handle them well, again, coming back to like a very practical standpoint, like if you get on customer service and you start cursing them off and you're yelling at them like I as a customer service agent am not going to go out of my way to help this person out but if you get on the phone and you're like hey you know my, my bags got lost totally understand that it happens but I do have a presentation tomorrow is there anything that you can do to help I know it's not your fault then they go oh yeah like let me see what I can do for you right and now it's like again coming back to that like you're actively creating your reality just by even just being a nicer person to other people because it's easier to work with those people 
Yeah. And that's what I've been thinking about a lot too lately is that, yes, it is law of attraction, but it's basic psychology. If you're being kind to yourself and, and really, you know, instead of being like, oh, why the heck did I do that? Or what's wrong with me? The one path is when we're being hard on ourselves and critical of like, why the heck did I do that? Then we're going to not want to try again and we're not going to progress in that area. But if we were like, oh, okay, like I'm learning something new or, hey, like this is not a skill set that I, that I know and I'm going to be patient with myself and like great job for, for even trying, then the next time I go approach that situation, I'm going to want to do it better. And I find that a lot, especially with eating psychology and bringing it back to health and wellness and food is that when people are constantly hard on themselves and criticizing their bodies and judging their bodies, it's not inspiring to make healthy food choices because we're almost like we're our own worst critic instead of our own cheerleader, or our own friend. And we would never speak to other people the way that we speak to ourselves. Right? So it's simple psychology that like, if you're speaking kindly to yourself and you're encouraging yourself and supporting yourself, you're going to get further in life than if you're constantly comparing and judging. Right. For sure. Well, and that's, um, Carol Dweck who wrote mindset, like she breaks it up into the two mindsets, right? So the one is the fixed mindset, which is that very critical voice that you speak of where it's like, you judge yourself for making mistakes, you know, you're angry. And then that leads to, you don't try new things. You don't take risks. You don't try to think outside of the box. So you end up staying stuck in a lot of the same patterns. And then the other mindset that you speak of is that the growth mindset where it's like, Hey, I'm trying something new. We're learning, we're growing. It's very positive, very supportive. And those people, people that tend to practice the growth mindset tend to experience, you know, a, a more fulfilling life right? Because they're willing to work through their challenges and overcome their challenges. And I think that's something that, especially with food is like, it, I mean, it is, it's, it's a challenge for a lot of people, right? A lot of us are breaking out of patterns of eating that were like very ingrained in our, like in ourselves and our families and our, you know, and in our culture, really. I mean, like the standard American diet is like, hmm. n- you know, not good <laughs> to, to make it like, <laughs> cool. Um, and that's, I love your, your practice of saying like, you know, being mindful and bringing an awareness to, you know, the voice in our own heads. And that's why I love the idea of thinking about being your own friend. Cause it's like, would I talk to somebody else the way that I talk to myself in a situation? Yeah. And I, I can only share all of this in my teachings because I used to be my own worst critic and this has really been a journey and is still a journey back to self-love and being kind to myself. And um, it, it's really, it takes practice. It's, it's not an easy shift. And I can just say that every time that I'm able to shift out of the fear-based judgment mindset into the loving mindset and compassion and patience, um, everything else becomes easier. New opportunities show up for me. Um, I'm more open to meeting new people and being in new relationships and you know, open to making more money because I have that growth-oriented mindset and I'm open instead of constricted. 
Right. And it's that way you're like rooting for yourself at that point too. Right. Cause you're like, I feel like if we're, if we have these negative thoughts, we're like, I don't even like this person. Like, I don't want to, like, I don't want that. If I don't like somebody, right. I don't, I don't want to give them money. I don't want them to experience new things. Right. Whether that's, you know, consciously or more often it's subconsciously. We're like not, we're not trying to help ourselves out because we don't like that person. But when you start to root for yourself, you're like, oh yeah, like, let's give that person money. Let's give them a job opportunity. Let's give them exciting relationships and new experiences and let's support them in, in their growth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's so interesting how on a collective conscious level, as well as societal norms, it's like somehow we've come to a place where it's more acceptable to be hard on ourselves and to be stressed out all the time than it is to be like, I'm freaking awesome. And I love my life or I'm doing really, I'm doing a really great job. And it's almost become egotistical in a way to like be really kind to ourselves or even say out loud that we're proud of ourselves. And that's more uncomfortable for us to do than it is to really be hard on ourselves or, or not be supportive of ourselves. So um, having that shift can be uncomfortable at first for people, especially if you're starting to say affirmations, which I do a lot of customized affirmations with my clients. Um, and, 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 initially it can seem uncomfortable and weird and, and awkward because we're so not used to doing that. It's the opposite of what we're comfortable with. Yeah, for sure. Well, I remember, I remember the first time I heard about affirmations, I was like, this is garbage. <laughs> like, there's no way I'm going to stand in front of a mirror and tell myself I love myself. And then I was like, you know, it got to a point for me, it had to get to a point where things got so bad that I was like, all right, like whatever, whatever it is, like, give me the thing, right? Tell me what to do. I don't care what it is at this point. Things were, you know, in my things in my life got to a point where I didn't even want to get out of bed anymore, you know? And I was, I was actually angry that I like woke up, like that I was just pissed that I was alive still. Mm. And so it got to a point where I was like, just, just tell me what to do. And even then I remember it's like starting to do affirmations and I was like, these things are stupid. Like this is dumb. But I was like, all right, you know what? I'll try it. And I actually like wrote post-it notes and put them on my mirror. And like, I couldn't even bring myself to say it out loud at first. Right. But just starting to read it every time I looked in the mirror, then was like, look, cause I'm seeing my reflection and I'm seeing like, I love myself. You know, I'm, I'm awesome. I'm this, I'm that. Right. Like I'm whole. I think I even had, I'm beautiful. And that one really bothered me as like a dude. I was like, this is stupid. <laughs> But like slowly I started to read them and be like, oh yeah, like cool. Like I am, I am happy and I am whole. And all of a sudden, like I found myself like believing the things that I was reading and mm-hmm. I wasn't, you know, calling bullshit on it anymore. And I was like, huh, maybe there's some truth to this. And it's, right. I mean, it's, it's just what we tell ourselves. Yeah. I really like looking at the science behind affirmations and habit changes. So I'd love to talk a little bit about that is, you know, Joe Dispenza, who is an amazing Um, author and speaker. I just went to one of his workshops in Portland recently, and he does a really great job at explaining the science behind belief and the science behind how to actually change our thoughts. And the, the reason why affirmations work is because we're actually creating new neural networks in our brain. So what a neural network is, is a cluster of neurons in the brain that every time we have, have a habit, it creates, or we repeat a habit or a thought pattern, it creates a neural network in the brain. So you can think of it just like a cluster in your mind. And every time we have that same thought, we feed that and it becomes what they call hardwired. Or so we used to think that you couldn't change your thoughts, right? Mm -hmm. Well, the research shows is that you can actually create new thought patterns and 
what we're doing every time we look at the affirmations is we're building a new neural network. And we have to, the reason why affirmations work is because we're repeatedly programming our subconscious mind in a different way. So we're creating a new neural network, speaking positively to ourselves. And until that neural network gets stronger, it's going to be awkward to create that. But once we do that and we're, we're practicing saying nice things to ourselves, we're actually loosening up the old neural network that was on autopilot and repeat before, and it doesn't come up as often. So it might still happen, but if we're continuing to build the new neural networks and creating more positive thought clusters and patterns, then the old ones have to dissolve. Right. Well, and this is like you said, right? It's a part of this is how you then start to catch them, right? Because once that new belief started to form, and like, I'm not saying that I walk around on cloud nine and I'm like, everything that I do is amazing and that like I wake up every day and I'm fully in love with myself. No, it's a practice. Like, it's something that I have to actively do to remind myself that like, I, I'm pretty cool, right? Like, I got it together. Like, we're doing okay out here. Mm. But it started to, I really started to notice that pattern when that shift started to happen. Cause I was like, Whoa, like that's like, we don't talk to ourselves like that anymore. Like that's not, that's not for me. And then you can start to actively choose which belief you want to, you know, take on and which belief you want to like really live from and which belief you want to guide your, you know, mm. your action in the world. Yeah. And it's so important. Um, I know there's this conversation around like, oh, I don't want to ever have negative thoughts or that's bad or wrong that I'm having those thoughts. And it's about acknowledging the thoughts, noticing that they're there, not criticizing ourselves for them. Our ego is always going to be part of us. And every time we have resistance to our ego where we're like, that's bad that I had a negative thought, then we're actually feeding it and it makes us have that thought again, (laughs) right? That's what it wants. So it gets tricky. But when you start to understand those little um, tricks that it plays. Like for me, whenever I try something new, you know, right now I'm launching a new community and I'm stepping into a new role as a facilitator instead of just not just because small group coaching is amazing, but I'm hosting events now for, you know, 20 to 60 women at a time. And it's new for me. And so my ego tries to get me to play small and say, you know, you could do this better and you could do this better. And because I know that's what it's doing and I know I'm stepping out of my comfort zone and doing something bigger, I can notice it and witness it instead of allow it to control me and be like, Oh, I can't do this. Like I'm going to take a few steps back. Like I'm just not going to put effort. It's like, okay, I see what you're doing. Thank you for showing up and trying to keep me safe. Let me work around that or, or figure out what would actually be supportive for me at this time. For sure. Well, and I mean, the ego is like a slippery thing, right? But that's why I love people that talk about that, like talk about the inner child, because I think a lot of times ego is sort of, I like to picture it as that inner child, because it's like, then you can almost befriend it. And it doesn't, because if we think about like ego as this scary thing, and so many people say like, how do I kill my ego? And I'm like, that's, that's the wrong approach, <laughs> right? And like, the more that you try to kill your ego, the more that you're actually strengthening your ego because you trying to kill your ego is ego, right? Like anybody that's like, if anybody says to me, like my ego is dead, I'm like your ego, you have one of the biggest ones that I've ever seen. Like that's not like you're, you're into a spiritual competition here. But when, like you said, if you can, if you can notice it and say like, you know, Hey, like I, I almost like to say that it's like, Hey, like we're good. Like I, I got you, like we're fine now. Like, and I understand like maybe when the past you were afraid and like you were judged and like you stood up on stage and people laughed at you and like, I get that. And like, I'm here for you. You know what I mean? Like I I got your back, man. Like I'm not going to let that happen to you and we're learning and we're growing and that's a good thing. Right. Like, and then the other thing is I try to remind just like try to remind myself is if anybody is on the other side of that spectrum, 
if anybody is judging, well, then like that's, that's not for me. And that's their own, you know, they're coming from their own, you know, their own place. And, you know, I can practice compassion for them and for that judgment because I know when I was judging others, it was because of my own pain. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So powerful. There's so much there. Yeah. It, it, I love the inner child work. I think that it's very relatable for a lot of people at first. It might seem like silly and weird in a way, but it's like, we all do have previous experiences that have shaped us into who we are today. And our subconscious beliefs are created scientifically shown between the ages of zero and seven. And, you know, as I'm standing up there presenting part of the background conversation that happens in my mind is, oh, that person doesn't look like they're engaged. Maybe they're not interested. And then I take that as a like, oh, I'm not good enough. And, or I'm worried about the judgment of this person. And oh, yeah. when we can really honor that, like when we were younger, we just wanted to be loved and we still just want to be loved and accepted. And that's, what's really going on. Then we can have compassion, like you said, and then we can support ourselves and be kind to ourselves. Um, but when we're like, what's wrong with me? Why am I like this? Or no one likes me. Then it, it, it takes us down, you know, a slippery slope, which is what stops us from taking action and moving forward in our life. So this work is so important for anyone who wants to create a fulfilling life for themselves, one where they're constantly growing and evolving and really living into what they see as their highest self. Because we all have an image of who we know we can be and who we want to be. We all have that and we're constantly in battle with like, oh, I am become, either you're becoming that person and you're on that path or you're looking at that version of yourself and being like, I'm so far away from that. And that's when we know we're not aligned with our truth is when we feel very far away from the person that we know that we can be. Totally. Yeah. And I, I love, you know, you're just the idea of, you know, fear-based, you know, action or, or trying to avoid that. Right. I don't love that it happens, but I, I know how important it can be to call attention to that. Like one of the stories that came up for me, is it was like one of my first semesters teaching and I taught on Saturday mornings at 9am. Um, so that's, you know, not a good time for anybody, right? There's, there's very few people that people want to get up at 9am, you know, at, you know, 7am and trek out and go be in a three hour long class for and a mandatory public speaking class is probably not the most exciting thing to, you know, most students. And I had this one kid that always came in and he sat in the back left corner and he would come in be there for like five minutes and then would just be out just asleep. And he would be there for like, you know, he would come in and out for like an hour and nod back off and wake up and nod back off. And like for like 12 weeks out of the 16 weeks, I, I never said anything to the kid, which is now in retrospect, I was like, I probably should have talked to him like week two, right? Like I was, I did a bad job as a teacher, not saying something to him sooner and getting into my head of like, who, like, who does this kid think he is like coming into my class, coming into my class and going to sleep and not listening to me. And then it was like, and if it wasn't that, if, it, if I wasn't too good, then I was like, Oh, maybe I'm, maybe I'm a bad teacher. Like maybe I'm the worst teacher. I have to be the worst teacher. I'm, I'm terrible. I'm this, I'm like, I'm awful. And finally, like in like, it was like week 12 with like four weeks left. I, I said something to him the one day and I was like, Hey, like what, like what's up, dude? Like, like you come in and you sleep like one, I think honestly, I was like, man, just like stay home. Like don't come in and come to sleep. Like I'm not going to take that personally if you stay home. Like if you're that tired, dude, stay home. And he was like, no, like I, this is one of the last classes that I have to take to graduate from here. And I drive back every Friday night from Arizona 
And because I work on Friday nights, I get back at like four in the morning and I sleep for like two hours and then I wake up and I come here. And all of a sudden I was like, oh my God, like I thought this kid was like the laziest student that I've ever had. And all of a sudden I was like, oh my God, he's actually like, he's working really hard. Like he's working a full-time job until on Friday nights, getting in his car, driving back here, sleeping for two hours, waking up and then coming to my class. And I was like, oh, I get that. And I was, and all of a sudden my perspective on him shifted. And then I went, oh, I'm not. And he was like, and then he kind of tucked it in and he was like, no. And like, I, I like this class. And he kind of laughed and he was like, at least, you know, like what I see of it. Right. And I was like, oh, so he doesn't even, he, it's nothing about me and it's nothing about him and my judgment and my concern about myself and how I was doing a bad job led me to judge him and perceive him as this lazy, non-hardworking person. Cause now I'm projecting myself. And I was like, all this, I was like, wait, no, he's actually like a hardworking dude. Like, mm-hmm. kind of. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's a great story. Yeah. It's a, it's a good reminder of from the four agreements who Don Miguel Ruiz is that or yeah, Paulo? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, you know, don't take, the, don't take things personally and everyone, you know, is, is going through their own life experiences with their own history, their own story. We never, ever know what's going on. And, and when we take things personally, it can create a lot of misunderstanding and disconnection. For sure. I want to, I want to circle back, um, just to, you said you went to Joe Dispenza's event. Um, I'm just curious, like what, how was that? Um, I'm actually going to see Joe Dispenza in October in Houston. So I'm pretty sorry. I just wanted to hear kind of how that was. Yeah. Um, I loved it. I think that having read his books, there were some really good reminders and he's funny. He is engaging. One of the things that I really liked that he did during his workshop was, um, that after he would share a very solid chunk of information, he would have us turn to the person next to us and explain what we heard. And it was really helpful because he understands how the mind is programmed and knows that if he just sits there and talks about all these complex topics all day long, that we're going to get lost in it. So having to turn to the person next to or have an opportunity to do that was really great because it, it it helped the information to sink in. And um, I will tell you a really funny piece at the end of his uh, workshop, he does these meditations to help you get into the energetic frequency and the state of the emotion that he's, that you're creating for yourself of your vision. And he introduced a new meditation in Portland and it was for someone who's been meditating for, for years, like it was the weirdest meditation I've ever experienced. And it reminded me of when I w- started yoga for the first time and I would just sit in class and giggle and laugh at the names and at the poses and like just everything. Right. And just like that little, little kid laughter. And, um, me and a few of my friends who were there who are also seasoned meditators, we were like, what is going on? So he had all these like weird voices he was making. And, um, it was, it was a very funny experience. We were trying not to laugh because we didn't want to interrupt everyone around us. And afterwards I was like, I wonder why he did that. And he explained the next day on his social media that he he hit the, the post was called what's with the weird voices. And, you know, he's someone who really is, is, at the forefront of understanding how our brains work. And he intentionally uses different tones and different noises to activate different parts of the brain. 
And it takes not caring about what other people think. It takes not caring what it looks like because he's so committed to his vision in the world. He's so committed to knowing how impactful his work is that it doesn't matter to him that it's different or weird or how it looks. And it was a really cool experience to, to be reminded of that. Yeah. I, uh, I love Dr. Joe's work. It, it, his, uh, what is it? The breaking the habit of being yourself. Yep. Breaking the habit of being yourself. And I just started reading becoming supernatural, which is his most recent book. Okay. Yeah. I, I think the way that I, I think he frames it is that breaking supernatural or one of them is like a practical explanation of another one. Um, yep. And that's, that's why I love them because he, he manages to boil down some of these larger topics, you know, law of attraction, quantum physics, you know, quantum mechanics, the quantum mind, all of these like really heady topics into, you know, bite-sized chunks that are really, you know, understood you're able to understand them and and you know put them into you know into like you back that up he gives you you know actionable steps that you can take based on you know what you read and he's, mm -hmm. he's pretty incredible yeah i think when you understand the the quantum physics or even the science behind why we're doing certain things which you and i have touched on a lot today is understanding the psychology the the combination of what i call the practical and the magical it's the it's like the stuff that we can't explain and having some context for how it works at least to what we to the best of our ability to understand it i think that really is why my clients get such good results and why they're able to actually implement the changes because it's a combination of both and it's not so woo woo up in the air which i i love that stuff too and i think it's really more fun in my opinion to live life that way believing in magic um and at the same time like we live in a 3d reality and many of us need context for why like if i'm going to do something it's got to make sense so it's kind of a combination of both right yeah there's a there's a physicist who says that the, the more advanced that any technology gets the more indistinguishable it becomes from magic mm. and i think that that's like that's been my experience is that the more and more that i learn about you know our universe or technology or you know our own minds the more that i'm like it's like like this this stuff seems like a miracle you know what i mean like this is this is what we're talking about when we say miracles right um, have you heard about the, there's the, the two laser, like the double laser experiment or like the double slit laser experiment? I don't know. No, if, uh, I haven't heard about it. That is crazy. Um, so it's, I'm going to, I'm going to butcher this explanation so I can definitely link to a better one. Uh, but essentially they used, scientists use lasers, which act as both a, like a wave and a particle to measure whether or not people observing it changed the way that it acted. And when we weren't observing it, when they just fired it without people watching it, it behaved in one way. And then when they had people watching it, they changed nothing else about the experience, like about the experiment, aside from putting, like making someone observe it. And when people observed it, it acted the way it was, we expected it to act. So before that, it acted chaotically. Enter a human observer and it, it acts exactly how we expect it to. Like that that's a, like, that's a miracle, you know, that's magical. And that's like, that's like science as well. Yeah. That now that you mentioned what the laser experiment is, I have heard that one. And, you know, one of the things that Joe mentioned was that, um, Dr. Dispenza, what he said was that if you can't figure out how it happened, or if you don't understand the how and the why it happened, 
that means that it like if if it comes to you in awe you're like how the heck did I just run into that person that I was just thinking about or how did this opportunity come up like I was you know manifesting that or thinking about that he's like when it comes to you in a way that you can't figure out how or why or you couldn't have even thought about it then we know that that was divinely guided to us or given to us by the universe or that we were in the same vibrational frequency and that's the stuff that our eyes can't see and as humans we like to understand everything around us and like to be able to um, measure and count and and see things understand it um, and there's a really amazing quality when we can let go of that control and really allow ourselves to believe in something greater that there's like a force that's out there that's guiding things to us like it just it becomes really exciting and um, I feel like we we don't really know everything that's out there so it's it's like admitting that and acknowledging that and being open to whatever it is that we can't see for sure yeah and it's i think what what you know helps me kind of let go a bit and that's something that I, I struggle with and it's you know it's easier now than it was before and i think that's part of the reason why i've been so fascinated with the science behind it is because to a certain degree, I needed to be like, no, you better like, you better show me some data about this stuff. Um, and there were a couple experiences in my life where I was like, that is weird. Like, there's, there's no way that that just like happened, right? But I think about how much we know and how much what we know has changed just in the last hundred years, right? That like what we thought we knew about the universe was like, so wildly inaccurate that like we understand now so much more about it than we did then and what we know is pretty crazy right, right? and there's people that are far smarter than i will ever be like richard Feynman, right like a nobel prize winning physicist who's like I, I have no clue what's happening out here like i got no idea and like that dude won a nobel prize for studying this stuff and it's like at, at some point you just have to go be like, if those people are saying that we have like, you know, that we know so little about our universe, it's like there's, we have to just say like, there's just something out there, right? There's more that we don't understand. And like, maybe that's where some of these really great possibilities exist. You did such a great job at explaining that. But yeah, incredible. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> so there's... In like three more questions that I want to ask you. Um, the first is just, I want to come back to your work for a little bit. What do you think like keeps people out of alignment? Like what, and why is it so easy for us to stay there? Mm -hmm. So I think that our desire to be liked and accepted and loved by other people um, and our desire to make everyone else happy are two things that keep us stuck. So in shorter terms, people pleasing, our desire to make sure that everyone gets along and that you know everyone likes us and everyone's happy and perfectionism of like wanting to look like we have it all put together. Those two things really keep us stuck in doing the same things over and over again, because at the end of the day, our 
greatest fear is isolation or not being included. And at a primal level, if we're not included or if we're not loved, then we're alone and we can't survive alone. So most of us act in certain ways because we want to be part of tribe and community and want to be connected. Yet we wear all of these masks and pretend to be someone that we're not so that we can fit in. And that's actually what keeps us separated in the first place, right? Because people can't actually relate because you're not actually being yourself, right? There's an inauthenticity. So trying to be perfect and trying to please other people keeps us stuck doing the same things. And when we keep trying to impress other people and we don't do the things that we love to do because we're afraid of not fitting in, then that keeps us stuck in the same job or the same relationship or the same eating habits, right? And it doesn't allow us to grow and expand. And when we keep living a life according to what everyone else wants for us, instead of checking in to what we want for ourselves, then we stay on the path of misalignment. And eventually our soul will keep giving us messages. You're off the right, you're, you're on the wrong path or not the wrong path, but you're, you're, you're straying away from your soul. And I really believe that depression and anxiety for the most part um, are a disconnection from the truth of who we are. They are when we are not connected to what makes us happy. Um, that's when a lot of those symptoms arise. So, um, yeah, I feel like the two biggest things, and, and I think the main thing is like wanting to be liked and loved and accepted by other people. For sure. Yeah. And I know, I know like in terms of depression and anxiety, I do, you know, there definitely is some like, neurological instances there right where like there there are some imbalances out there and like definitely don't want to invalidate those people but i know in my experience you know i was diagnosed with it two years ago and it was very much like not after working with you know some therapists and having the conversations with them and and you know having it medicated for a, a brief time it was like it became very clear that it wasn't something that i like had but something that I was experiencing and it was at a time where I was very much like not sure of who I was not sure of what I wanted and I had been very you know open to what other people were suggesting right and I just kind of did like what we've talked about in terms of just letting other people kind of guide me with that um, mm -hmm. so yeah so I, I do think that there are a lot of times where it's like you know it takes stepping out into who you are for that to kind of you know alleviate a bit yeah. And for my own personal journey, medication actually is what got me to a place where I was able to get to a neutral space and start to discover who I was and what I wanted to do because I was so lost in that downward spiral that without that, I don't know if I would have been able to get clarity and find my way. So I too have, you know, a history of clinical depression and have been told that there's a chemical imbalance. And I do believe that and definitely want to honor that for, you know, anyone who's experiencing that. And I also really believe that there's something a lot deeper than that. For and sure. it's a soul on a soul level as well as a physiological level that there's an imbalance of some sort. 
totally. So start wrapping up. Um, I know we're slightly over time, so I want to honor your time. Um, what is one book that you think everyone should read? Oh my God. I, I know. Yeah. <laughs> books. I know it's, it's a tough question. Um, that I talk to people that it's a tough question for that people are like, Oh, I've read so many. And I'm like, yes. Yeah. Um, I work with a lot of women and the book that comes up over and over again, the title is kind of silly, but, um, it's called mastering your mean girl by Melissa Ambrosini. And the reason why I really start there with a lot of my clients is because everyone can relate to that inner critic and being hard on ourselves. And it's often what holds us back from listening and discovering our truth. So um, I really like that book specifically for, for women. And um, yeah, we'll choose one book for right now. I'll call it, I'll say that one, Mastering Your Inner, Mastering Your Mean Girl. For sure. Cool. I dig that. Um, and then my final question for you is what is one piece of advice that you would give yourself at age 18? Hmm. That you are exactly where you're supposed to be on your journey and to enjoy the process as it unfolds. Totally. And I think that's a, that's a powerful one. It's a challenging one because like, like you were saying earlier, right? coming back to the path, like saying that you're not on the path, but oddly enough, in retrospect, it's, it's all kind of a part of it, right? In, in some very like weird cosmological way. Yeah, it's all happening for you. Like had I not gone through the struggles that I did in high school with relationships and friendships and had I not gone through my own health challenges, like I wouldn't be where I am today, right? Had I not gotten married and divorced, like I wouldn't be who I am today. And all of those things do come together. And in the moment, they might not make sense, but trusting that you are on your path and you're exactly where you need to be is really powerful. Yeah, for sure. I love that. I think that's a good place to end. So um, you've answered all of my questions. Uh, so where can we find out more about you and kind of what you're up to? Sure. So um, you can visit my website, which is spiritualnutritionist.com. I also have an Instagram where I do a lot of my writing, which is at spiritualnutritionist. And on my website, what you'll find in the next month is the Miracle Mindset Academy, which is a six-week course to support the daily practices that we say that we should be doing or want to be doing or that we've read about in books and really learning how to practically apply them into your life. So um, really guiding someone through who maybe has already started their personal development journey but wants to go deeper and really access more of a love-based mindset on most of the time um, is what we're, what we're aiming towards. So that's Miracle Mindset Academy. I also have a local community in San Diego. It's a women's group we meet once a month to celebrate the new moon, um, which is a really great way to set intentions each month and um, in the process of writing a book and speaking. So lots of exciting things happening. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Yeah, um, yeah. I'll, and I'll be sure, like I said, to link to all those down in the show notes so everybody uh, knows where to find you. And I'm, I'm sure some people would definitely want to you know, reach out and connect. Okay, great. Yeah. And on my website, I have a free guide, a self-love guide. So it has a guided meditation and some journal prompts and mantras. So for people who want to get started on that journey of creating a 
healthier relationship with yourself, that's a really great place to start. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing. Thank you so much for coming on today. Um, I really appreciate it. It was great, you know, connecting and great talking to you. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, Kyle. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Aligned Influence Podcast. This is your host, Kyle Bowe. Please head to kylebowe.com forward slash gift to download your free copy of my new ebook, Change Your Mind, Change Your Life. Again, that's K-Y-L-E-B-O-W-E.com forward slash gift for my new ebook on five small steps you can use in your life right now to begin creating big changes. Thank you again for listening, and until next time, live on purpose.